Well, good morning. Good to be here. Welcome the people joining us online. Um, hey, you know, one of the things I'm going to miss the most uh, when I retire from Hope Church, which is coming up, is I'm going to miss working with the great staff we have here at Hope Church. Um, we, if you, you're not aware of it, we uh, kind of were behind, and are, there are other organizations and churches that help, but the bulwark was done by the, the staff here at Hope Church. We've been working for months on this night shine that we did Friday night down at the River Center. And uh, we did it five years ago here at Hope, but we ran out of room. Like we, within 48 hours, we were full. And uh, we had a great time, and we were going to do it a year ago. We talked with some of the, the agencies and people that knew, and they said we probably should wait a year. So it was about five years, so we did it Friday night again. And what I said to the staff after the first time we did it, I said, let's do it somewhere we never have to say no. We didn't have to say no. And we had almost 200 uh, guests and over, you know, around 200 yeah, it was a great night. It took months and months of planning, and it was an incredible night. You can re read about it in the TH, or you can go online and see the best pictures and stuff like that. It was an amazing time, and if you, if you see somebody and you know they were involved in it and they were there, talk to them for a minute because they'll have some words to share with you. But the staff was really key in planning and carrying out that whole thing. I'm so proud to work with such a great staff here at Hope Church. Uh, let me tell you another thing's happening. Mark mentioned this, that in uh, Dayton, Iowa, uh, there's a camp. Of, of even it, it, Mark uses the initials, and we do it often. We say EFCA, EFCA. And you may be new to Hope, or you're, you're watching online, you say, what's the EFCA? It, the, the initials are Evangelical Free Church of America. Evangelical Free Church of America. That's who, you know, we're fellowshipping with. Um, but there's 50 uh, middle schooler and ad adult leaders that went out there for a weekend uh, for a winter retreat and with other EFCA churches. And I heard back from Ross. We heard back as a staff from Ross last night. He was the speaker this weekend for, for all of the churches and the kids that had gathered together for that weekend. And uh, around 50 kids gave their lives to Christ for the first time. Huh? How cool is that? So, uh, and then we do services on the weekend too. So, <laughs> so we're spread a little thin and it's been a, like a long couple of weeks, but it has been fantastic. It's been fantastic. So that brings me to another issue, and it, like I said, it may be that you're new to hope, and I want to just tell you kind of how we make decisions and how we kind of operate. Uh, you may have come from a different church tradition. We are a congregational church. Um, we basically are independent, and we're congregational, meaning that we have a congregation that makes the decisions of what we do and how we operate. We have bylaws that we follow. And so not everybody that attends the services are members. And it doesn't really, you know, I mean, you don't have to be a member to attend or even come to our business meetings. We have a couple a year. Um, but that being said, there's a number of things of how we do things. Like, for instance, I call those big rocks. We call those big rocks. And the big rock things are the, are the things that the 
the people who are members vote on, okay, or, or affirm. Uh, so what are some of those big rock things? Well, the budget. When we have a budget, and by the way, you can be any, you don't have to be a member of Hope to get our budget and look at it and ask questions, talk with the elders. You can do that. Uh, but the, the members vote on the budget. That's a big rock. Or they vote on um, the, who are going to be elders. They vote on, you know, the, if the elders are brought, they're brought before the congregation, they're voted on, okay? Uh, they vote on uh, whether we do a capital campaign. Like if there's something, a uh, project we want to work on, and it's going to cost some money, we want to bring that before the church and give a vision for it and, you know, say, what do you think? And they, they would vote on that. Uh, if we change our bylaws, they would vote on it and approve or disapprove of that and affirm or, uh, you know, not affirm that. And then we come to the one that we're coming to right now. March 5th, we're going to be voting on or affirming the calling of Ross Harrison, who is now driving back with, with a, a, a number of middle schoolers as our next senior pastor. So the process was... Part of our bylaws say that we put together a search team. It's composed of a couple of elders and a number of members. And they've been working since August, working with the search firm, working with, uh, you know, everyone. So they, they were elected by the church to serve on that team. And they met with Ross. They met with the search firm. Uh, they, and they, they affirm Ross. They, they, they think Ross is the, the best candidate. You might have heard from them. We had them here sharing just a little bit of their uh, testimony in that. Uh, we have an uh, elder. We have a congregationally uh, elected elder board that have met with Ross. They affirm him. Our staff affirms him. But now it's time for the congregation on February 4th to affirm and to vote for Ross and uh, there's a 75% requirement for uh, the church to call him, which I believe he's going to get. But that being said, I just want you to know the process, because some of you thought, well, he's a senior pastor. Not yet, he isn't. I'm not done yet. <laughs> but, there, you know, but there's going to be a vote coming up, so pray about that. If you're a member, be here and vote for that. Because we have had a, a, a congregationally-led uh, search team who have worked diligently, our elder board have worked diligently. We, we have really worked very hard for months and months and months on this whole process, and Ross has gone through a lot, and we think he's an incredible candidate for the next senior pastor, and I affirm him too. So I just want you to know that's kind of where we're at in the process. So be praying about February 5th in our congregational meeting as we affirm Ross as our next senior pastor. February 5th. March, thank you. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> March 5th, March 5th, okay? Because it's a little late, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're back on track, are we? Cut that on the video. Would you do that? <laughs> Not going to happen. It's going to be one of Matt's bloopers. That's about a 20-hour reel right now at this point. Um, so I want to ask you a question because we've been talking about how to make good choices, right? And so uh, I just want to say, let's just talk about a small little choice. Like, what's the purpose of my life? <laughs> right? No, that's not. It's a big choice, right? But I'll tell you what. If you don't have that choice right, all of your other choices are going to be kind of like floating and say, well, is this it? Is this it? Is it it? But if you have that big rock, if I can use that term, 
If you have that figured out, this is the main purpose of my life, and I have that figured out, all of your other decisions will find their gravity, their pull to that decision. All right, that's what we want to talk about. So if I were to say, what's the, what's the, the purpose of your life, what would different people say? Well, there's some people today that would wake up and say, and we just saw a picture of it, didn't we? Of the incredible earthquake and the death toll, probably going to go over 20,000. They might say to survive, to find water, to find clothing, to find warmth, to find any, to find my aunt, my, my mother, my father. Um, for many, many people in the world, not just those who have gone through this, this horrible, devastating earthquake, for many people in the world, they wake up and every day they say, where are we going to get wood for a fire? Where are we going to get water, clean water that won't make us sick? Where are we going to get some food? Where are we going to get clothing today? The rest of us don't, we don't wrestle with those questions, do we? But for some people, and I would say 80% or more of the f world's population, those are very real questions. Some of us would say, well, my, my purpose in life is my career, it's to make money, it's to become famous, it's to live comfortable, uh, it's to invent or create. And the world, like, kind of holds those out, right? It's to play professional football in the Super Bowl, maybe. Or maybe some of you would say, well, my, my, my main purpose is family. It, it's my husband, it's my wife, it's my kids, right? And it's very interesting because when you, when you introduce, uh, when, when women are in a group of, of women and they introduce themselves to one another, the, one of the first questions they ask is, are you married, do you have kids? <laughs> right? And then when men get together, you know what the first question they ask is? What do you do? Where do you work? <laughs> Which, who are you going to win the Super Bowl, right? You know, it's stuff like that, right? So the women are all relationship. The guys are, we're, and guys, many guys are defined by what they do, right? That's where they find their identity. Some people say, I just want to serve. I want to make the world a better place. I want to contribute. My, I want my life to count. And frankly, that's, I think in every one of us, there's a part of our lives where uh, we, we, we feel like, I want my life to matter. I want people to say something nice about me as I live. You know, I've got, done a lot of funerals in my uh, time as a pastor. And I think some of the saddest things that I read in obituaries is where they talk about like trivial stuff that they, I understand it. But we, we, they like to weave baskets. Okay, but is that really life? You know, this is really what, it, this, this is a big rock that we want to talk about. So, we are all looking for our identity. And you often find your identity in your purpose. And the question is, how does this tie in with decision-making? Well, I'm going to suggest that when you find your purpose in life, you find your center of gravity, you find your North Star, and every one of your decisions, where should I work? Who should I marry? Should we have children? All those questions kind of tie back in to that most important decision. Because if you don't do that, what you'll do is you'll make these other decisions the thing, and they were never meant to be the thing. All right, so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, the interesting thing is 
Jesus in the past, we're going to look at Matthew, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to be right around uh, chapter, or verse, uh, Matthew, Matthew 16, 21. So, um, Jesus does something very interesting. He does a poll. <laughs> you know, Jesus, Jesus did a poll, right? He did the politically, you know, the, everybody's doing a poll nowadays. Jesus did a poll one day. And he says to his apostles, who do people say that I am? Okay. And so uh, Peter answers. And, uh, you know, here's his answer. This is verse 14 of Matthew 16. Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So then Jesus says, okay, that's what everybody else thinks. What do you think? What do you think? What's your opinion? And, 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 Peter, said, and Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Have you ever raised your hand in a class? And you give an answer, and you think it's right, because nobody else, and, and the teacher goes, that's a great answer. I haven't. I just wondered if you had. <laughs> but your teacher goes, man, that's a good answer. Great answer, right? And so what, is, what does Jesus say to, to Peter's confession where he says, you are, the, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And in verse 17, it says, blessed are you, Simon, that's Peter, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. In other words, Jesus said, can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? Jesus says to Peter, you are speaking the very words of my Father. You couldn't have got it more right. Yikes, that's so good. But there's more. So then Jesus goes on to tell something very important about his mission because he knew what his mission was, the big rock was. And then the wheels come off. Look at verse 21, Matthew 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and then he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Now notice this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now in the Greek, and I'm not sure, I should have checked between services, but I didn't. So, you know, whatever. Um, there's a phrase in Greek called ume. There's two Greek words, ume. Uh, u is sometimes used, may is sometimes used, but when they're used together, it means really, really no. <laughs> I mean, it's like, no, I'll give you a quick illustration because we, we don't have time, but I'll do it anyways. So when you say to your girlfriend, do you love me? And she says, ooh, that means no. But then when you, pe you pester her a little bit, you say, no, really, do you love me? And she says, may. No, that means even stronger no. You say, you go a third time, you say, finally say, well, do you really love me? And she goes, ooh, may, you know, which means no. Not at, that's kind of, I think, what Peter's saying here. That's never going to happen. Or he's saying, over my dead body, that's going to happen. Now, remember, this is the Peter that just had the great answer. Never, Lord, this will never happen to you. 
Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me. What does it say there? Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, and this is the passage I want to really focus in on this morning. Whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for somebody to gain the whole world yet forfeit, forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with the angels. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done, what they have done. Now get this. One minute, Peter is speaking the very words of the Father, and the next minute, he's uttering words from the pit of hell. How is that possible? Well, it, if it was possible with Peter, it's possible with you and me. Here's the even bigger problem or question. That Peter can confess who Jesus is he can believe who Jesus is and confess him as God and reject his mission. You're God, but I don't like your mission. You ever do that in your life? You're God, but I don't like your plan for my life. I know you're God, but mm, I don't think you got this one right. Jesus kind of had harsh words for that, didn't he? So I want to talk for a minute. We, there's a phrase out there that came, it was coined a number of years ago by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and it's called cheap grace. And I want to just kind of give you kind of phrases that kind of, that, that ooze cheap grace. Some people say, well, I don't believe in a God who is holy and who punishes sin. I believe in a God who loves and accepts everyone. You ever hear that one? Or maybe you, 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 you've come across people, or you believe, Jesus died so that really bad things won't happen to you. And maybe somebody told you that. Somebody told you when you accept Jesus, no, that means he'll put, his, he'll put protection over you, nothing bad will ever happen. Or maybe you, you believe that Jesus died for you, that you won't really do bad things moving forward. Or maybe you believe that Jesus died for you so that you can go to heaven. Well, that certainly is true, and it certainly is taught in Scripture, but is that all there is? Cheap grace only requires you to believe that Jesus existed and died on a cross for you. Peter says, I believe you are God, but I'm not good with a mission. This is a quote by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Can I read it to you? It says this, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. But here's the point. Cheap grace is not saving grace. So in our passage, Jesus is showing us that his call is to a deeper life. It's more than believing facts about him. 
It is a complete call to obedience, a call to lose your life, to deny yourself, and to take up your cross and to follow him. And when uh, this is another quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer, he says this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Bonhoeffer's saying that when Christ has a call on your life, he calls you to come and to give up your former life. That must die. You must walk away from it. You see, the point that Jesus is making to Peter and to us is if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, he's not the Savior of your soul. We can't separate those. So let me ask you another question. Is Jesus your personal assistant? So I'm not a scientist, but I wrote this down so I get it correct. If the distance between the earth and the sun, which is 92 million miles, if that distance was just a single sheet of paper, okay, between the earth and the sun, 92 million miles is the thickness of a piece of paper. And the diameter of our galaxy, if we were to measure that with the same paper thickness, it would be 310 miles of paper. Yeah, wow, right? Big. Now, let's go even further. Our galaxy is less than a speck of dust in the whole of the universe that we can now see. Our universe is a speck of dust. And we are told in the scripture that Jesus holds together this world, the galaxies, in his hand. That he made them. That if he wasn't holding them together, they would fall apart. That he is Lord over everything that you can see and everything you can't see. We haven't even gone into the cellular level. Now, is he the person that you should be asking to be your personal assistant? I think we have it wrong. I think we sometimes treat Jesus as our cosmic vending machine. And we say to him, I need you to serve me instead of saying, Jesus, I am here to serve you. I am one of your creatures. Happen to be made in your image, but one of your creatures. You hold the worlds in your hand. How would we call him our personal assistant? All right, two points I want to draw from the passage. If you truly know Jesus, you will live a life of denial, sacrifice, and obedience. Jesus basically says something that's very odd that we hear it and we go, that can't be right, but it is. You don't find yourself by searching for what you want. You find yourself by denying yourself. World tells us that you go on an all-out search of what makes you happy, what you like to do, and start doing that. And you will find yourself as you find what makes you happy, what makes you successful. 
And I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people out there who are happy, who are successful, who have made it in, in, in maybe in, in the media. They've made it in inventing things. They work, you know, they work on they've made a lot of money. They, they, but there's, there, there's, they would say to you, I've achieved this, everything that is humanly possible, and I still feel like my life is empty. Instead, Jesus says, you find yourself by losing yourself. You don't discover your identity by pursuing the things of this world because they were never designed to make that, fill that void. And here's the thing. It's interesting because in Galatians, or excuse me, in Ephesians uh, 2.10, the Bible says that Jesus designed each and every one of us as his masterpiece that we're created in Christ Jesus to do good things, right? And so it makes sense that we would go to our creator and find our purpose with him, and then we would live out our life as we were purposed to live. So the first thing is you find yourself by denying yourself. Secondly, you find yourself by giving your life away. Jesus calls his disciples to live sacrificial lives, to serve others, and to take up their cross. And many of us think, well, if I give my life to him, I will lose something very important and very precious. And many of us are, are buffed up by these things. And, and I can tell you, it, it, here's, here's how you know it's the wrong thing. Because when it starts to crumble, when it starts to fall apart, your life will start to fall apart. Because it was never meant to handle the weight of your life. I like the quote from C.S. Lewis. Here's what he says. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and your favorite wishes every day. Death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Looking for yourself, look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, ruin, uh, rage and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with him, everything else thrown in. Don't pursue the things, pursue the maker. Pursue the maker, and then the things will be in the right alignment. Paul writes it this way. He says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, uh, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul basically says, my life did a 180 when I met Jesus. It turned everything in my life upside down. North was south, south was north. Everything changed when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I found life when I found Jesus. Third thing in this point is you'll find yourself Follow, you find yourself by following Jesus. Over and over in the New Testament, Jesus is constantly saying, he says to a, a fisherman in a boat, he says, come follow me. 
And it says in Mark's gospel, they, they dropped their nets and they followed him. Uh, he finds Matthew uh, collecting taxes. And he says, come, follow me. And, and the next thing you know, he, he, they're having a Matthew party uh, where this, this, <laughs> the sinners and the tax collectors have gathered at Jesus' eating and drinking with them. I want to ask you a question. There's a lot of people who say, I like Jesus as my Savior, but I'm not sure I like him as my Lord. Is Jesus your Lord? Following Jesus is not an option for the Christian. He, he, he says, follow me. It couldn't be, it couldn't be clearer. Uh, look at, uh, so I want to give you a, a passage. I think this is a very interesting passage. So the story is this. There's a young man that comes to Jesus. He's very rich. He's very successful. In the measurement of the world that he lived in, he was on top of the world. He comes to Je and he's a moral man too. He's living a moral, decent, good life. And he comes to Jesus and he says, what, I, I think I'm pretty good. I think I just got a couple of little, little things that get buffed out, but I'm, I think I'm there. And he says, what must I do more? What more should I do? And Jesus says this. Look at what he says. This is Matthew 19, verse 21. He says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Now, I don't think that Jesus is accepting his, this man's assessment of himself. I think he's saying, okay, that's your assessment. Let's just, play, let's just assume you're right, and you are very moral, and you've got everything right. Okay, let's just, I'll, I'll grant that. And then he says to him, take all of your wealth, give it to the poor, and come, what does it say? Follow me, right? Now, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Who was his God? What was his God? Wealth. Well, why? Uh, listen. There's a lot of people in our world that are pursuing wealth, and it, it's not stupid. What does wealth give you? Security, significance, and status, right? And Jesus says, you've got to walk away from that if you want to live. You've got to trust me instead of your wealth. You've got to find your identity in me instead of being the big guy with all the money. Are you willing to do that? Now, notice he walks away sad. No one ever walks away from Jesus with a smile on their face. They walk away sad. They walk away in darkness. Secondly, if you truly know Jesus, you will lose your life to find your life. One of the verses that we as a staff are memorizing right now is Galatians 2.20. And it goes like this. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I memorized that passage many, many years ago in the King James. I read it to you because it's in the NIV and I, don't, I haven't memorized it there. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Paul is saying, I found my life not in wealth, not in fame, not in the pursuit of even good things. 
I found my life by losing my life. I found my life in Jesus. If you're looking for the point of your life, look to Jesus. After all, he's the one who designed you. He's the one who made you in his image. He's the one who gave his life for you. He's the one who is coming back for you. It makes sense that you look to your designer to find your purpose, right? There's a confession called the Westminster Confession of Faith. And it was used for many, many years to teach religious education, Christian education. And it was just a question-answer summary. But I want to read you one of the questions. What is the chief end of man? In other words, what's my purpose? And the short answer is, man's chief end is to glorify and enjoy God forever. See, when you know why you exist, you've answered the most important question. You've figured out what the big rock is. And so the, all the other questions are, who should I marry? Should I have kids? Should I work here? Uh, all those other questions kind of fit into do they fit in with this, this life rock of following Jesus? We're talking about making good decisions. You're going to make decisions that are okay, but the best decisions are made when you settle the most important decision, when you major on the major. The major decision in your life is, what have you done with Jesus? Are you following him today or are you walking away? There's only two ways, ways you can go. You can't call him Savior if you don't call him Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I've called you to do? He's calling people out. He's saying it's one thing, Peter, to say that I'm God. It's another thing to look me in the eye and say, you're going to stop me from my plan." but we do that in our lives every day, don't we? I know you're God. I know you're my Savior, but you want me to do what? I don't think I can trust you with that. I know I can trust you with the rest of the universe and all the other stuff, but this is a big one. What? So where are you at? Do you have the major decision made? Because if that's not made, then all the other ones will be try to become major, and they shouldn't. They're going to let you down. Let me pray with you. Father, help us. Because this is such an important decision. It's foundational. It's foundational to life. Um, I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here who has never given their life to you, today would be the day. Maybe not like the, the, the young man. But today they would say, Jesus, you gave your life to me. I give my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to picture myself as one of, those, one of those fishermen. And you came by and you said, come follow me. And I want to be one of those people that walks with you. It may not be perfect. It wasn't with Peter. And I'm going to have good days and bad days. But my direction is to follow you. You're going to be my North Star. You're going to be my big rock. You're going you're gonna, to, you're gonna, all my decisions are going to be based upon bringing them under the grid of what would Jesus want in this situation. 
Father, I pray that many would walk out of, this, out of the church today with smiles on their faces because they're walking with you. And if, Father, it may be that there's somebody in this room right now or watching, join us online. They say, well, how do, I, how do I start? Well, you start by just giving your life to him. And it could be as simple as this. Dear Jesus, I realize you came as a rescue party of one for me. You gave your life for me. You took my sin. And now I give my life to you. And I want to follow you every day of my life. And I don't even know what that means. And I know it's not going to be perfect. But I want you not just to be my Savior, but I want you to be Lord of my life. For the rest of us, Father, who have prayed to ask Jesus to be our Savior um, and hopefully Lord, I pray that we would win the battle this week, that we would live our lives for you, and that we would follow your internal indwelling Holy Spirit as your Spirit guides us in your path. Father, help us to give up life so we can find it in you. Help us to lose it and find it. And Father, I pray that every person in this room and every person watching would make their peace with you, that they would know where they stand with Jesus. For that is the big rock. That is the most important decision that anyone will ever make in their life. May they get it right. We pray it. In Jesus' name, amen.